Welcome to Riverbend Church's podcast, and thanks for listening. Riverbend is a church in Hernando, Mississippi, that is focused on our calling to restore the community around us. For more information, visit rbhernando.church. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, I am going to read for us the whole chapter, and as I read it out loud, I want you to think about every aspect of worship that you hear in these verses. You just think, as I'm reading through it, worship. What are the aspects of worship? Because here is a fact, actually a few facts. Fact number one, everybody worships. Not just everybody in this room, every person worships. Every boy, every girl, every man and woman in the world worships. It's just a matter of what or who they worship. It's not a Christian thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It is a human thing. Every single person worships. And we're going to see that out of Joshua chapter 5. But second, the fact is this. Worship is action. Worship is action. And in this passage, as we read it, and as we see the event, as we see the account that happens with Joshua and the children of Israel, we see action, and it is worship. But a third, as I'm introducing this, a third fact that you and I need to press in on this morning Worship doesn't just happen. Worship takes preparation. One of the reasons I stood before we started our service this morning to speak to you about this is because worship takes preparation. And I believe it is a fact that we will see that in Joshua chapter 5. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we're in Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, I believe the verses will be on the screen in front of you behind me. States this in Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 and following. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea... As soon as they heard, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1 states, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. 
For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 7, so it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a, a man was standing before him with a drawn, his drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Heavenly Father, would you speak this morning in such a way that we would hear, in such a way that we would be drawn to you, drawn back to you? Would you speak so clearly, Father, about who you are and, God, what you expect from your sons and your daughters who know you as Savior and Lord. I ask all of this in your son's name, in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled the, uh, the message this morning, Wilderness Worship or Promised Land Praise. Wilderness Worship or Promised Land Praise. And yes, I know that's a little corny, but I also know this. You will remember it more than if I didn't have any title whatsoever or if I didn't say anything about it, you will remember that title because of how possible corny it is. But in that statement, wilderness worship or promised land praise, I believe there are two points that you and I need to look at this morning for us to see where we are. Where you are as an individual, where we are as a church, where I am as an individual, in our worship, are you, are we, still out in the wilderness? 
Or are we partaking of that promised land, the fruit, the grain, the inheritance that our Father has for us? Because there is a vast difference in the two places and how you and I live our lives. The first point this morning is this, that worship in the wilderness was never, was never the desired outcome long-term. It wasn't the desired outcome for those that he brought out of Egypt. It's not the desired outcome for you and for me today. For us to be stuck in the wilderness, the wilderness with rituals and, and religion, that is not the desired outcome that the Father has for anyone long-term. When he told Moses, okay, Moses, get all the people together, get them together for three days. I'm telling you, here's what's going to happen. Go tell them to kill a, a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. Stay inside the house and get everything packed up because I'm telling you, you are getting out of here in three days. In the darkness of that night, as the tenth plague was being unleashed over all of Egypt, the firstborn of every Egyptian family, Slain. The death angel passed over Israel. And the reason that he passed over Israel is because they were obedient to the Father. They had put the blood on the doorpost. They were ready and prepared to do what God had called them to do, to leave. And so they set out. The journey should have taken eight weeks, possibly 12 weeks, possibly four months to get from Goshen to Israel. But because of disbelief, because when they sent the 12 spies into the land, 10 of them came back with a negative report, they wandered 40 years. 40 years. A whole generation dies in the wilderness. Worship in the wilderness was never the desired outcome from God's point of view. Long term. Did they have to go from Goshen to, to through the wilderness to get into the promised land? Yes. Were there things that they needed to learn? Yes. What were they shown in the wilderness? They were shown the tabernacle. They were shown sacrificial um, order. They were shown worship. But it should not have taken them a whole generation to learn that. And it should not take you or me a whole life in the wilderness for us to understand what true worship is. You and I know that in the lives of the Israelites, there was sin. You and I know that whether it was Aaron and all the children of Israel, as Moses is on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments from God, they are down at the bottom of the mountain grinding up golden calves, excuse me, making golden calves to bow and worship to. Maybe you remember the episode in the history of Israel as God sent fiery serpents, poisonous snakes on the camp. And all they had to do was look at the pole that had the snake on it to receive 
medicine, yes, even more than that, from the venom of the snake to receive salvation, that their lives would be saved if they would just look at the pole. Yet, scores, hundreds died. Maybe you remember the episode of Miriam's rebellion when she was leading a revolt against her and Aaron both against Moses. She came down with leprosy and Moses prayed for her. You and I can look at Genesis, uh, excuse me, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and we can read of the mourning. We can, re- we can read of the murmuring. We can read of the complaining, the idols, the sin over and over and over and over again, them neglecting God. But my question for us as we see that is this. What's in your life? What's in my life today? That's hindering us from worship what is happening in your life what has happened this past week what has happened this year in your life to cause you and to cause me the inability to worship in these first 10 verses i believe that we see one of the hindrances and one of the reasons why the children of israel were not able to worship in the wilderness, the way that God intended was because of circumcision. What is circumcision? Circumcision was the covenantal sign that God gave to Israel. It was an outward sign of something that was supposed to be taking place or that did take place in their heart. When did it happen? It happened with Abraham. It happened with Abraham and Isaac from the beginning. God said, all right, you have to circumcise yourself. You have to circumcise all those that are in your household. And from that point forward, it was a sign of a covenant. No other nation has that covenant. Israel alone had it. But it was not very far down the road that Israel forgot about this covenant. If you look in Exodus chapter 4, you see that Moses didn't even um, circumcise his own kids, his own sons. He didn't do it. He forgot about it. Those that came out of Egypt did not circumcise their sons. Like, Brian, this is a weird topic. Yes and no. It is a necessary one for you and for me to understand how God desires you and me to live our lives in response of worship to Him. Circumcision must happen before. For Israel to worship, circumcision had to happen before they could celebrate the Passover. It was done in the darkness of Egypt before the death angel passed over, and it had not happened in some 40 years. A whole generation died off as we read in Joshua chapter 5. Why didn't they do it? I read a a number of different commentaries on the, the question why they didn't do it. And pretty much there was a number of reasons why they didn't know when the cloud was going to move. So they didn't know they were wandering here and there. But one, Arthur Pink, stated it this way. He said, by far, the the reason why they didn't do it was out of neglect and sin. Which got me thinking. 
Everybody in here. Whether you're a student or you're an adult. Every person in here. I believe we would say, yep, I know the difference between right and wrong. I know it. I know the difference between, I know that's right and I know that's wrong. I know that's black and that's white. I know the difference between right right and wrong. Question then, if you know the difference between right and wrong, sir, why do you do wrong? From a toddler, from a toddler, they knew what God said. No matter if they were wandering in the wilderness to the time that they were in Israel, in Canaan, David's king or any other king, they were reared up knowing these words. They knew right and wrong, and you know right and wrong. So why do we, not you, why do we neglect what God says is right every week? Every day. What are you neglecting right now? So those of us who have been here the last few weeks and we've walked up to this point in Joshua, we understand that they are now inside Canaan. They are now inside the promised land. And God tells Joshua, okay, Joshua, now circumcise Israel. Why? Why now? Why not before they got in Canaan? Why not right before he rolled back 20 miles worth of over-flooded banks, Jordan River? Why was it once they got into the land? I think there's a couple of reasons. First, I think it was to test their faith. You're like, well, how does that test their faith? Well... They just walked through a miraculous over-flooded banks Jordan River that God had to roll back 20 miles so that they could get into the promised land. And then it came back with its fury and over-flooded the banks again, and they saw that. And God says, all right, now you gotta, you got to stay here in Gilgal, and you got to circumcise knowing that there's going to be multiple days where they could not wander, they could not move, they could not fight, and it tested their faith. Pastor and author of yesteryear, Andrew Bonner, stated this, Since great victories lead to oftentimes great pride, God allows test after huge wins. And then he says this, let us, let, let River Bend, let, let you, sir, ma'am, let me, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. What was the victory? They are now in the promised land. They are now in their inheritance. They are now seeing God do miracles in front of them to allow them into the land. I believe that he did that then because to test their faith. I believe he did that to remove the reproach. We read about it in those verses about the reproach of Egypt. There in verse number 5. There in verse number 6. I believe that he did it to prepare them for the Passover, which was going to take place there at Gilgal. And I believe that he did it to 
show them a picture of spiritual things that were to come and that were at the moment. So you say, Brian, all right, that's all well and good. Great history lesson. What does that do for me right now? Let me ask you a few questions before we move to a second and final point this morning. Just like the children of Israel, you have a heart condition. The children of Israel's heart condition was not in good standing when they entered into the promised land. When they entered into this inheritance, they were not in the greatest of places in their heart condition. And so God called them to take a look at their heart. And may you and I take a look at our hearts. They had to prepare to be able to worship. There was preparations on the outside that needed to take place. Yes, but even more than that, there were things on the inside of their hearts and of their lives that they must do to prepare so that worship could occur. So here's my question. River Bend, where are you self-reliant in your life? Where have you and I said, you know what? We've got this, Lord. I've got this spot. You you just go on and deal with somebody else. You just go deal with Brian because I know he needs it. You are correct in that. But where are we self-reliant? Where have you been in neglect? You know. You know what's right. I know what's right. You know what's wrong. I know what's wrong. Where have we been in neglect? Where have you and I been allowing Satan? Where have we been allowing sin an inch in our lives? Is it with our finances? Is it with the screen that you are watching, whether it's a computer screen or a television screen, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, whatever? Is it in the relationships that you have? Is it in your vocabulary? Is it that you're a jobaholic or a laxaholic? I think I coined that word. Do you just relax all the time? You just on the go all the time with the job? Is it that you have placed family above the Savior? Is it the tyranny of the urgent? I will never forget. I was at my First church that I was pastoring and, um, the secretary that I had at the church, um, she and I had, uh, one of the ladies that, uh, was a secretary there. Um, she and I just, we had great banter back and forth, back and forth, and it, it was an awesome time. And I'll never forget, I, I had the tyranny of the urgent so bad in a whole season. And she stopped me one day and she said, hey, your poor planning does not cause an emergency on my part. And I said, oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. But thank you for reminding me that my poor planning is causing you an emergency. And so we had to work on that. But is it that you and I have neglected because it's all so urgent, the tyranny of the urgent over and over and over and over again? 
God calls for you and He calls for me to prepare now. Prepare for worship. Because without it, you and I won't move past wilderness worship. Meaning this, ritual rites of religion. Thinking that you have to be in those black seats and worship happens from 10 to 11.27 every Sunday. And that is when worship happens. That is not when worship happens. I'm going to be done by 11.27. i got to move forward. But one more quick story. It's seldom that I stand up here on this platform and preach that when I think it is a great message, when I think I got the point across, none of you come up and say, man, that was a great thing. I tell you, that was the best sermon ever. But if I think I absolutely failed, flopped, it was the absolute worst. There's multiple times that you come up and say, man, thank you. God just punched me right there. I'm like, what are y'all listening to? It happens here. Okay, it happens here. As we move from circumcision and preparing for worship, we see Joshua there on the outskirts of Jericho, and he is preparing for battle, and he thinks everything is in store. It's right there in, in line. It's in order, and he meets somebody. Instead, His focus is on this city, and he sees this wall. It is a huge wall. Some say it was 12 feet wide. Multiple chariots could pass on the top around this city, state, country. And Joshua is just looking, how in the world, how in the world are we going to get inside that? Because God said, go conquer the land. And this is the first place that he's sending us. How? And his focus is there on the city and he sees a man. And he turns and he looks at this man. And his sword is drawn in his hand. And Joshua asks some questions. And it's okay to ask questions if you and I have the right attitude behind the question. And Joshua asks the question, are you for us or against us? Are you with us or are you with them? Are you with us or our adversaries? Are you um, Tar Heels or Blue Devils? Are you Land Sharks or Bulldogs? And he said, nope. What? I asked you this or that, and you say no. How many times have you gone to the Father? Brian, how many times have you gone to the Father and said, Lord, this or that, and and I miss you? How many times have you gone and said, Lord, this or that? He says, no. Church, the question this morning for you and for me is not, God, are you on our side or are you on the other side? The question for us this morning is, are we on God's side? Not, God, are you on our side? Are we on God's side? Second point, worship happens When God shows up. From the time that Moses died to the time that they crossed the river to the time that they were circumcised to the days that they were preparing for the Passover, uh, Joshua thought that that was worship. That was not worship. Worship happened when God showed up. This 
commander of the Lord's army is the pre-incarnate Christ. He shows up multiple times throughout the Old Testament. And he shows up here to the warrior Joshua as the commander of the Lord's army. Are you on our side or their side, Joshua asked, and he says, no. I am the commander of the army of the Lord, and now I have come. And Joshua responds. He responds in worship. He bows down on his face and worships Jesus. What are you going through right now? What, what is the issue in life at this moment, small or great, that you are going through? Because there is one, Jesus, who will meet you right where you are. I believe uh, it's a Warren Wiersbe quote. Do you have that? Will you pull that up? This paragraph records one of the pre-incarnation appearances of the Lord Jesus. Christ recorded in the Old Testament to Abraham, this pre-incarnate Christ. He was a pilgrim. Abraham was a pilgrim. The Lord came to him as a traveler to share a friendly meal. To Jacob, the schemer, he came as a wrestler to bring him to a place of submission to the three Hebrew men in the, uh, in the furnace, he came as a companion to be right there with them as they were walking through the fire. And to Joshua, he met him as the captain of the Lord's army. And the emphasis is mine here. It says this, our Lord, catch this, our Lord always comes to us when we need him and in the way that you and I need him. Joshua worshipped right there on the plains of Jericho because he responded to the Lord. The Lord is present. He is omnipresent. He is here at this moment. The problem for you and for me so often, I believe, at least in my case, is that I am so focused on other things that I don't see Him standing right there in my presence. It's not about Him in that moment. It's about me and where my focus is. Some of you here today, some of you here today, you don't believe in Him. So therefore, you can't see Him. Some of you here today, you question Him in a way that is not proper. The attitude behind your questions of Him are wrong. And because the attitude is wrong in the way that you question Him, not that you question Him, because He is big enough to take your questions multiple times over. But because of the attitude in which you are asking those questions or that are bringing those questions up, you can't see Him. Some of us here today, we don't see Him because you and I don't spend time with Him. 
Because you and I don't spend time with him, we have not been prepared to see him, to meet with him, to hear from him. You and I don't see him. Some of us don't see him standing there in front of us because our attention is on other things, as I've stated. And finally, some of us don't see him. Because we don't like what we know he's going to say. He's going to say, hey, sir, stop. stop. Stop going in that direction and go where I told you to go. Some of you ladies and men, myself, we know what he's going to say. We've heard it before and we don't want to hear it. So therefore, we won't turn our attention to him. And you and I will waste away in the wilderness. Joshua responds. Joshua responds because he is ready for worship. He has been prepared for worship. In the midst of him planning out the battle, he meets Jesus. And as he meets Jesus, his focus turns and changes. Look with me there in those last two verses of the passage. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped. And he said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. My yes is on the table. What do you want? I'll do it. And here's what the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua. Take off your sandals from your feet. Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place that you are standing is holy. It wasn't holy because Joshua was there. It wasn't holy because it was in the the holy land in Canaan, in Israel. It was holy because Jesus was there. It wasn't worship because He came in a room like this on a Sunday morning. It wasn't worship because... He was there hearing, just like you are here hearing. It's their worship because he was prepared. This morning we started asking that you would be prepared for worship. As we sang, we sang praises of him high and lifted up because that's where he is and he will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And this place isn't holy because... It's a River Bend Church worship room. This place is holy because of the one we worship is here. He is here to speak to you, sir. He's here to speak to you, ma'am. He's here to speak to us. Desiring for us to get past the ritual rite of religion to come into a relationship and worship Him because He is in our presence. How long will you and I continue to just be okay with the ritual rites of religion? Sunday morning, come in here, hear a message. Sunday morning, come in here, sing songs that you like, sing songs you don't like. Sing songs to the one who is on the throne. How long will you and I be okay 
with just walking into the doors, letting the children go back to the back and come in here and maybe be tickled just to leave again. Wilderness worship, sir, ma'am, students, was never intended as the long-term goal. You and I have the opportunity to come into the promised land. You and I have been accepted into the family of our great God as sons and daughters. And He desires for you and for me to worship Him. And when He shows up, you and I must bow. We must bow the knee to our wants, our desires. This week I was reading, I was reading the Gospels, and Jesus was calling folks to himself just like he always does. And I came across this passage, and I've seen it a number of times, but it just hit me. And he said, Why don't you come to me, all you who are weary? My burden is light. He's not going to put things on you that will weight you down. He says, why don't you come to me and I'll take all those things off of you so that you can just see me. My burden and my yoke, it's light and it's easy. Why don't you trust Him? Why don't today you and I trust Him and worship Him? See Him and worship Him. Joshua saw Him. He worshiped. The children of Israel saw Him. They worshiped. And they basked in their inheritance. And that inheritance is there for you and for me. That same Jesus who showed up to Joshua has shown up for you and for me. He's shown up as Savior and Lord because you need a Savior and you need a Lord. He was willing to save you. He was able to save you. And He did just that by dying on the cross for you. For you. He he did that for you and for me. Might you and I see that and trust Him. Father, what a passage. What a passage to see you at work. God, my desire, my desire for this place, this body of believers is to trust you. To put our yes on the table. To see you. To respond. Might we do that this morning? Might you continue to work God, continue to challenge us. Let us chew on this and other passages like it to see You and to to know You. Father, might, might we come to You afresh and anew because of who You are, because of what You've done for us. Sir, as we stand and as we sing, ma'am, as we come to a time of response, I pray you would respond. I pray you would respond right where you are.
Pray that you would ask Him to search your heart. See if there's any neglect. Show you those places in your life where you have given the enemy inches of your life and surrender them again. The response time is for all of us to respond back to Him for He has spoken and desires us to know Him. Father, would you speak in Christ's name? Amen. You stand and join us as we sing. You have been listening to the latest message from Riverbend Church. We hope you enjoyed it. Live Sim.